you were to think through the different holidays, which of the holidays would you consider to be the humblest, the most giving of holidays? You might try to make a case for Christmas and the giving and receiving, and yet it's almost impossible to observe a day of thanksgiving without humility entering the picture. As Christians, evaluating our lives, taking a moment such as this to consider all the things we have to be thankful for, it's impossible to separate our appreciation for those around us who make our lives work, who make our lives better, who contribute in so many different ways, and especially to thank our Creator, our Provider, our Protector, our Savior God, all the many ways he blesses our lives. But even in the way the day itself plays out, consider it. If you are someone heading somewhere else for your holiday meal, the likelihood is that you have asked the question, what can I or we bring? What can we contribute? How can we show our appreciation for being invited and being part of this celebration? How can I serve? If you're on the flip side of that equation and you're the host of the meal this day or this weekend, the likelihood is very strong that you've turned to at least some other participant or contributor and asked the question, is there anything you especially would like to see on the table, on the menu, this particular holiday? And you're demonstrating the inclusiveness, the acceptance, the appreciation of this moment. I find it fascinating that as we make our way through a new sequence of lessons, Thanksgiving had a very established, pretty much one year after another pattern that has now changed with the new hymnal materials. And Thanksgiving follows the very same three-year rotating sequence of lessons that all the rest of the festivals of Christianity do. So this is the very first, very first time we have read these words from David. And as soon as I was reading them and considering which of the portions of Scripture I'd like for us to spend some time in meditation on today, there was no competition. This is the first time we've read this, and there's, there's a question that David asked that just jumps off the page in a moment like this. It's a vital question. It's essential. It's almost electric in a moment of contemplation and consideration of what we should be thankful for. Who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me, slash us, this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. You don't know what David's talking about there. You don't only have to dial a few passages previous to find that David has been told with absolute certainty by God himself that David's line of the house of Jesse, of the tribe of Judah, this is the royal house from which the Messiah will come to bless the world and take away the world's sin. And it won't just be a temporary reality of some descendant down the line, but... David's house will be an eternal house, 
and that ultimate final descendant of David reigning on his throne will reign forever. And so it's not surprising that David would say, what, what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. David knew who he was. David was a humble man, especially in this moment. In reaction to the amazing words and promises of his God, he's, he's, he's got to sit down. In fact, you, you might be put off at first because usually in our day and age, if somebody is referring to themselves in the third person, it's not humility that's expressing itself. And yet, that seems to be exactly what David is experiencing here. He's, he's sitting down for a moment, overwhelmed by what he understands the blessings of God for him personally and for the world through him to be. And he can't help but say, Lord, you know me too well to make this my reality. You know the sinner that I am. You know the failed, broken man that I am. You know all the ways that I've rebelled against you and caused all kinds of problems for other people, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not deserving of all these good things that you have given me and my family and certainly not this unique place in your salvation history. How much do you know about David? Do you know about him being a, an adolescent when he walked out on that field with his five shiny stones and his slingshot and took down one of the largest warriors that's ever walked the face of the earth, much to the amazement of everyone? How much more do you remember about him? He was a man who was very complicated in some ways and had episodes of his life that were so dreadfully sinful, shamefully victimizing others that when we read them, we have to turn away from them in disgust. And yet, when his prophet, his pastor, Nathan, came to him to speak God's word powerfully to him, he repented. He demonstrated his sorrow and his contrition and his interest in showing his God how appreciative of his forgiveness and his mercy he was. That's not something you see in world leaders on a daily basis. In fact, if you were to take the entire history of monarchy in the world and study it thoroughly, I would propose to you that you could write a doctoral thesis on the idea that David was indeed the best human being that's ever sat on the throne and ruled other human beings in the history of this world. He was generous. He was caring. He was confident. He was a warrior. He fought battles for his people with his own hand. And yet he also was very careful to be respectful and protective of everyone who lived under his reign. David talks about it in his writings. He marvels over the fact that there are people who pay him tribute tax, who call him their king, who are subject to him throughout the world in lands that he would never travel to, people he would never actually see with his own eyes. 
We know from the course, the ebb and flow of history of that moment in that part of the world that David was absolutely the most powerful singular individual of his moment in the world. He could say anything to his military forces, his household staff, his governors throughout the regions of his own land and all the lands that they owned at this point because of their victorious conquests. And his will would be done. There was nothing he was lacking. And yet, he continued to be faithful. He continued to be humble. He continued to be the man described at the moment he was anointed by Samuel as a man after God's own heart. And as a mentor for us today, God gives us a glimpse of that heart right here. A heart that despite all that he experienced, all that he was and all that he could be and do, was humbled by everything his God had given him and was especially humbled by his God making sure he understood that he, every day of his life, was playing an active role in the salvation plan of all humanity and that his descendant, you and I know him as the son of Mary and Joseph of the house of Joseph, of the house of David, of the tribe of Jesse, of the tribe of, Ju- or rather the family of Jesse and the tribe of Judah, as Jesus the Christ of Nazareth. We know the fulfillments of all of these things that God was telling David that day. And we know what it means for us. And we understand why it would be so overwhelming for a mere human being to hear such a thing and to contemplate how good his God had been to him. So you and I have another moment where we're called upon as a nation as a people of God, to be reflective of all we have to be thankful for. And I guarantee you that there are elements of your life on a daily basis that this extremely powerful, wealthy man would have never dreamed would be a possibility for humanity. Think about your existence. Think about your life. Think about your day-to-day endeavors. And just take two examples Technology and medicine. Just think about the developments that occur almost on a daily basis. Many of us in this room take miracle drugs, things that turn back the evils that our bodies are experiencing because of sin and time and aging and use. Things that would have disabled or even ended the lives of many people of just very recent generations. Now we take a pill every morning and we live on in comfort and strength. Able to dress our lives in amazing ways. And that person that you haven't seen in years, that you love dearly, that you invested your life in and still do, you can engage on a daily basis by just pulling a device out of your back pocket and saying hello half a world away. Sending them little thoughts and notes any given moment you want, and they respond in time and in kind almost immediately from wherever they are. 
We live in a world of miracles. And we like to attribute those miracles to the advances and the intelligence and the abilities of humankind. But David had it straight. David knew humbly, with certainty, that his God was the one behind it all. Every blessing of his life, especially of his forgiveness and his eternal life. And so you and I do well to follow the pattern of an ancient king who would be our mentor this day, this Thanksgiving day, of helping us understand how important it is to have everything straight, to have it in perspective, and to give our Thanksgiving due to the one who deserves it most, the one who has loved us and provided for us and protected us and allowed us to live in an amazing moment in an amazing world where we also have absolute certainty of the forgiveness of our sins and life after death in the eternal life that David's son, Jesus Christ, is preparing uniquely for each one of us to take us there to live with him forever when he comes back at the moment this world ends. What more can David or you or I say to the Lord? He knows us, and yet he is our sovereign Lord. And so we add our thoughts to David's when he says, For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. You and I know who we are in God's eyes. You and I know what is ahead of us every step of our lives through this world and into eternity. You and I know that we will be blessed. That our God will continue to provide and forgive and grow in us reliance on his word, his will, and his amazing promises. And so it is good that we have chosen to be here Add our voices to the songs, add our hearts to the prayers, and add our thoughts to David's. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And so we praise and thank you, now and forever. Amen.